Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Sumner County High School Football Coaches Show, Facebook Live from Demas's here in Hendersonville. Tonight, Greg Arias, Zach Williams along with me, as always, and, uh, a co of course, coaches showing up. Coach Chad Watson here with us already. Uh, he's enjoying a meal here at Demas's tonight. Other coaches to be showing up as the night continues on. And, Zach, a lot of news uh, coming about in the last 24 hours not necessarily involving Sumner County teams, but affecting two of the Sumner County teams with Glencliff yeah, Glen having yeah, decided that they uh, last night were going to cancel the rest of their football season and then today deciding that they would go ahead and continue the football season. So I uh, put out a message last night on Facebook that Gallatin would receive a forfeit for that game, and now that has changed because of – a lot of different factors, actually, in what's going on with this. And so let's take everybody through just a short course in what's going on with Glencliff before we move on to Sumner County well, news it's, here. It's, uh, they kind of took the Antonio Brown effect almost of just, it's happening, it's not happening, it's happening, it's not happening. It's going back and forth. <laughs> well, and I feel sorry for the kids in this because the players, and really what it came down to was the fact that uh, because of the numbers of players that Glencliff has had on the roster. At one point, I was told they had 46. Uh, Terry Utley, who does the beach games for us, said that they were down to 25 when beach played them. And now the newspaper reports today is that they will play Hillwood as scheduled on Friday night, but could only have 17 kids available going into that football game. So it's becoming a safety issue for the players that the school and the school system, I think, are uh, worried about here. And thus, that was the idea to maybe go ahead and cancel the rest of the season and not try to send out 17 kids to face a 5A schedule that they have, Hillwood this week, and then, of course, Gallatin coming up in week 10 of this thing. Well, you know, and like you said, the safety side of it is obvious. I mean, you don't want kids that, you know, playing – well, to be playing three sides of the ball just to just to keep on the right. field, but it, you know the the wear and tear of football alone. If you have fifty six kids that you're playing in a in a game, uh, it still happens with with starters who are playing on one side of the ball. But it, you know it, it is also it's 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 a really sad realization of what's happening in the metro schools exactly. for football uh, and how how this is turning. I mean, this is really this. It's just especially in the South, it's kind of crazy to see this in the South that a school is not able to find kids to play football. Well, and I had a conversation today via, via social media with a couple of mid-state uh, media people mm -hmm. that played high school football, like myself here in Middle Tennessee. Joe Dubin over at Channel 4 Sports played at McGavick. Mike Oregon, of course. Two weeks in a row we no mentioned uh, Joe Dubin. Well, I didn't show. mean to do that. I but know, we got to stop. And, and <laughs> to a man, the three of us, and I'm sure other people, felt the same way or feel the same way that it's really sad and that the way things are going in Metro, we could see a lot of the high schools in Metro do away with their football programs because of the way it's structured and start having these community schools, if you will, kind of like we're seeing with some of the Sumner County high schools in wrestling and in ho hockey where they're putting schools together to have enough kids to play a sport, that may well come down soon in Metro, and we lose five or six of the high schools there. Who knows? Yeah, or, you know, go to eight-man football or whatever it takes to try to keep football alive. But it is, I mean, it, it's an unfortunate uh, situation uh, slash fortunate situation for some of the teams that are facing Glencliff just for the fact of, I mean, it's kind of a bye week. I mean, is that rude to say? But well, it is. It, it is kind yeah, of a bye week. Yeah, it's been a bye week. And he, but here's the thing, and just – if Glencliff, and they could well, after this Friday night, decide to do away with football, cancel the rest of the season, that's a possibility that remains. Gallatin then would be the beneficiary of getting a win without having to play the game. And, of course, it's no fault of Gallatin's. It's no fault of anybody else's if that occurs. It's a Metro decision. But if I'm Beach, I'm thinking, wow, we at least had to go out and play the guys to get our victory, you know? Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of trap doors in this thing that uh, could obviously 
you know, be up for debate. Certainly not. I, I think everybody knows Glencliff's probably not going to beat Gallatin. That's a game that Gallatin would win easily uh, if they play or even if they, you know, however you want to look at it. But it's just, it's a sad situation and we don't want to spend too much time on that. But I was asked this question today via social media and I'll cover it real quick. Spoke with the TWSAA, Matthew Gillespie over there this afternoon to get a clarification because I was asked about the potential impact on Glencliff's basketball if football decided to shutter the doors for the remainder of this season, and there would be an impact by the TWSAA, but Glencliff, since it would be considered probably a safety issue with numbers that Glencliff closed the program, the basketball team then could petition the TWSAA Board of Control to have their basketball postseason eligibility restored. That's what they would lose, not regular season, but potential postseason, and that's how that would work. So now, on with the show and on with the important business of Sumner County football because last week that's was a pretty good week. Is. Absolutely. That's where our heart is. Let's that's be honest. Uh, that was a, it was a pretty good week last week and a lot of big games coming up this week. Of course, Gallatin on the road at Hunter's Lane. Wilson Central coming to visit you guys here in Hendersonville. Mm -hmm. The potentially big game of the week is Hillsboro and Beach in 5A. Those are two of the three top teams in that region and Beach needs a victory in that one to make sure that there's no three-way tie, which we've seen the last two years in a row where Gallatin beat Hillsborough. Hillsborough beat Beach. Beach defeated Gallatin. Three-way tie, and then you go to the tiebreakers. So if Beach can win that, basically what it does, sets up a winner-take-all matchup with Gallatin in Week 9 for that region title. NBA, they come to Pope John to face the Knights. Lebanon is at station camp. Watertown, that's a tough one. They'll come to Westmoreland and White House in Portland in their annual battle. Both those teams, that coming off of losses last week, yep. will meet up in Portland this Friday night in what is – I don't want to call it a grudge match, but those two communities and schools don't have a lot of love for each other. Right. Well, you know, it's it's uh, yeah, it's 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 there's it's a grudge match. I mean, let's it's be a real. grudge it match. Is. Yeah, there's no that. real they way to like put each it. Other and, and and it's a big game, and that's why it's it's on the radar for a lot of uh, media outlets outside of WHIN, but also WHIN. It's you know, I mean, we're we're talking about it here, right. and and Portland doesn't even play on WHIN, but still, it's it's a big game. But White House, of course, does, and so uh, it's going to be fun to see how that one goes. Uh, we'll we'll give our predictions and everything like that later on. So when we look at these games, and as you said, predictions coming up later on, Wilson Central and Hendersonville is an intriguing game to me because the Commandos on a bit of a skid, and we're not saying anything that uh, everybody listening, Commando fans don't know, but likewise, Wilson Central. They started out 4-0, and lost to Mount Juliet two weeks ago, lost to Gallatin last Friday night. So both these teams coming into a region matchup mm -hmm. looking for a big win because obviously – Wilson Central losing to Mount Juliet's a region game, but Hendersonville losing to Lebanon is a region game, and this is a big playoff implications to this thing. Well, I mean, obviously the the Commandos want to go up against a region opponent. This is also homecoming week for the Commandos. So with that being said, that that's alone doesn't matter who you're playing. It's a big game anyway. Right. Um, but it's it's another region game. It's another region contest where the Commandos are trying to find the way to get the win at the end of games because. They start hotter than anybody else I've seen play so far, besides maybe Oakland. And Oakland's in a whole other subcategory. By Different themselves. level, yeah. And it, the Commandos, once again, it's it's just they've three weeks in a row now gone into a game with a lead, played strong, and got into the second half. And earlier this time for uh, uh, against uh, – uh, who was it last week? Independence last week. They they who's a good football program? A great football. The, program. the losses for Hendersonville have not been to bad football teams. Right. They Lebanon, might have been bad losses in the way they played. Right. And you know against Lebanon once again that game had some questionable calls. And and I'm, I don't like bringing up officials. I really don't. And I haven't mostly until now. These but last you're going two, to. I'm going to. I'm hundred percent going See, to. See, I, I knew. Yeah. This la these last two weeks the calls from the officials have just been terrible. Another blown call where. Uh, uh, Isaiah Chandler was it was a fourth down throw and Isaiah Chandler in the end zone gets sandwiched by two independence cornerbacks before the ball gets there their heads completely turned no call and it would have been a first down but what happens there independence gets the ball back and that's where they take the lead on that ensuing drive once they get that ball back and it, 
you just you you're just kind of head scratching if you're a commando fan, media player, coach, whatever. Uh, you know, that's two weeks in a row you had calls that have altered the game. But that's across the board. You can find that pretty much any Friday night True. on any football field in Middle Tennessee and even in East and West Tennessee and go to Kentucky and Georgia and Florida because we're not dealing with people that are full-time officials. We're dealing with people that work a day job, that may have worked a 12-hour shift and then show up at a high school football game to officiate. So, uh, yes, you can see these things, and some of them are game-changing plays, but let's keep in mind and be fair to those guys as well that they also work day jobs. They are not full-time officials. This is not a career for them that they're paying, getting paid lots of dollars like NFL officials to go out and blow a call that cost New Orleans a chance to go to the Super Bowl. I, I, I agree with, with that thought, and the only rebuttal I would have to it is it, then let's look at it the same way with the players who are full-time students, right? right. There are there are games now. Nobody really wants to call high school players for as so what's going on, but, you know, they, they, we have to look at it. That is their job, yes, de- depending on how they pay. And I, and I always look at I don't look at it from the official. I don't say, okay, that official is a problem. Whenever I do talk about it, it's the TSAA. They need to find quality guys, find quality payment plans for these guys, and bring – because it is possible. Well, the pay could be better, but finding the people is is a challenge because – and you look at it, and I saw an article earlier this week uh, about – in youth sports, how it was hard to find officials and umpires to do youth sports. And when we say youth sports, we're talking 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old kids because of the way some of the parents act. Mm-hmm. And that has translated into high school as well because some of these same parents act the same way at high school venues, yeah. basketball especially, where uh, they're closer to the floor and officials maybe can hear them a little bit more than they can in the bleachers at a football game. But the TSSAA has gone as far as to run radio advertisements about conduct of fans right. at high school football games. Mm-hmm. So they're trying. It's uh, – and let's be honest, the TSSAA and Gallatin have had their issues. Other schools have had their issues with the TSSAA. Not everything is perfect there, but in that instance, they're doing the best they can. You just can't really – Yeah, you, you I, have to kind of take the people that come to you as true. long as they have a background that's not you know, a criminal history of some kind. They have to take people that want to work. No, and I, I, I agree with that. And and there is more to a football game than one call, right? Right. Uh, and it, it is kind of, though, getting to that point, head-scratching for the commandos. What is it? What is it that, that hump that they just need to get over in the third, late third, early fourth quarter where it's really kind of been predominantly sticking out as most uh, that's putting them in a situation, um, uh, you know, in that situation to have to fight at the end of games coming up on a last minute. I mean, we've had now three, I believe, uh, Hail Mary heaves at the end of games for the Commandos to try to get back into a game or have a chance to win a game because you even look over three games, their deficit now in losing games is, uh, I believe it's 10 points combined yep. in three games. We had a comment from Amy Knowlton. It's also hard to find unbiased officials. That uh, is very true. Yeah, I mean, because obviously if you're from Middle Tennessee, you probably went to school mm-hmm. somewhere here and could well be affiliated. And we know that certainly there are a few officials uh, in Gallatin that are Gallatin High School alums that have called Gallatin games from time to time. And I'm not saying they're biased for and or against, but certainly I think that could play a factor at times with some in some situations in some games. So yeah, that, that's a, we have to kind of throw that out there. But again, history. that's not to, yeah, that's not yep. to knock any one individual or anything of that nature. Let's move on off the officials now and uh, look across at NBA and Pope John. Pope John's having a great season. Of course, NBA, one of those powerhouse teams in the private sector. That should be an interesting contest at Pope this coming Friday night. Well, you know, with with anything in that division, NBA and Pope John Paul, both a part of the uh, the coin flip, as it was, to figure out who's going to go to the West and who's going to the East. So NBA and Pope John Paul now both in the West of that Division Two league. Um, and, you know, JP2 last year put up a close game, a closer game than they had in recent years uh, with NBA at NBA facing the Big Red. Uh, it's going to be a tight contest, though, and, and I don't believe in Sawyer Watts. I think he was in the running last week. Did he have six touchdowns six last touchdowns. week? Touchdowns. Touchdown now, passes, that is. That was against a team that came in 0-5, left right. 0-6. Uh, you know, and, and not not. 
top camp competition, but still to throw five or six touchdown passes in any game, uh, right. even in the backyard, is kind of hard to do. Right, and so I, I do like JP two, and what, and obviously we, we're going to talk with Coach Geis uh, later, Guy Singer. Uh, but uh, uh, it's it's definitely it's it's going to be a challenge. It's just going to yes. be a challenge. NBA is a tough NBA tough is matchup. constantly. I mean, you talk about their you talk about a team with history mm-hmm. of sending players not only into college leagues but in SEC teams and well, Ty Chandler's Ty playing Chandler? at UT exactly from NBA. Don't know if that's exactly a positive. To well, play there, but <laughs> he's there. <laughs> take that, UT fans. You thought we weren't going to get you. Uh, well, let's <laughs> let's not get too far into college. Lebanon and Station. Camp. You got to think the Blue Devils, obviously, as station camp continues uh, a winless season to this point, struggling. But obviously, they could come back and find a way to win this football game. But if I had to predict it, and we will later, I'll go ahead and tell you now, I'm going to take Lebanon just because. I'm not sure what's going on with that, but yeah. we'll, we'll figure it out. Watertown in Westmoreland, Watertown rolling, one of the top teams in the state in their classification. Huge, tough matchup, even though it's at home for Westmoreland. By the way, uh, one more time, our buddy Terry McCormick, the Mm -hmm. play-by-play man for us for Westmoreland football, involved in a car wreck last Wednesday. Uh, I take that back, last Tuesday uh, evening, and uh, had to have some surgery. Beat up, banged up, doing well, recovering at home. Hopefully he'll be back behind the microphone this Friday night. We'll see about that. And then, of course, White House in Portland, I mentioned, uh, the grudge match between those two there, that game taking place up in Portland. And I've got a feeling that of all these games, that one might just have the largest crowd of anybody this Friday night. Yeah, you know, it'll be a fun one in Westmoreland. I believe, is that three home games in a row for Westmoreland? Uh, yes, it is. They had Trousdale County, Clay County, and now uh, Watertown. They're, so. getting a, they're getting a little bit of uh, 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 – Good, good streak of getting the home games. But, you know, it should be a good game, and, and we'll see how it falls out. Uh, Westmoreland 4-2 and two right now, you know, sitting right. comfortably where they are right now, and, and, and especially on the Sumner County teams. It's, and on the WHIN radio network as a whole, it's good to see a team like that playing, you know, strong football right now. And, once again, we hope Terry comes back and gets back behind the mic. Absolutely. Let's bring in our first guest of the night, playing injured tonight, Gallatin head football coach Chad Watson. With us, not on crutches, as we had anticipated uh, when I talked to you earlier, you mentioned that you might have to coach your first game on crutches. You're in a walking boot. Tell everybody the story of what happened, and then I'll tell everybody it's sympathy for Isaiah Briscoe. Yeah, that's exactly what it No, um, <laughs> I was getting a, a lift in after practice, um, did some weight, uh, went to one side, I wrecked the 25, then I wrecked the 45, and I didn't want to take off any more on one side so the weight wouldn't flip. And I was carrying on the conversation with one of our other coaches, and as I was talking to him, I pulled the 45 off, thinking I'd already taken the 25 off. And when I felt the impact on my toe, I knew real quick I'd messed up. So, um, yeah, I, I broke I broke my big toe on my right foot. Uh, had to get nine stitches and all that, but I'm just thankful that – I'm not on crutches, and I can walk around in a boot. So it could be a lot worse. And we won't show the viewers at home the photo, even though it's, Zach and I took a look at it earlier when you got pretty. here. It is not pretty. <laughs> yeah, it's not bit. pretty at all. Now, I mentioned Isaiah Briscoe in the sympathy. Obviously, Isaiah broke three bones, is that correct, in yeah. his foot Friday night uh, late in the game against uh, Wilson Central. When he left the game, that's when it occurred. Went to the sideline, found out later the prognosis for him. Yeah, um, uh, met, modern medicine's pretty miraculous. They said it could be anywhere from four to six weeks, and he's already doing everything as far as physical therapy and rehab to kind of hurry up the process to get him back. So he's working hard. Um, I would expect him sooner rather than later uh, to be back. But while he's out, Montez Banks is going to hop in. Uh, we got a lot of confidence in him, and he led us all spring and did a really, really good job. So we want uh, Briscoe back, but we're confident in Banks. There'll be some changes, and I won't ask you what they are, but for Gallatin fans going to the game, there'll, there'll be a few differences in what you do because of the differences in the two players. Yeah, there'll be a slight difference. We're still going to stick to our scheme and what we do. Um, uh, Isaiah Briscoe is mobile and can make plays with his feet, but uh, Banks is a little more explosive, I think, as far as running the football. So uh, we'll see. We'll see Friday night. Friday night. On the road at Hunter's Lane, it is a region contest. It's a big contest. And honestly, when you look at Hunter's Lane, they're an improved football team over what they've been in years past. Still, though, they struggle. They're 
not the toughest competition you'll play, but they'll come out and play hard. You have to come out and, and have your A game to get a victory. Yeah, we talked to our guys. It's about steady improvement. We want to be better the week, uh, the next week than we were the week before. But uh, individually, if you look at those kids, they got some kids that can really play some football. Uh, when they get off the bus, they're going to look good. Uh, offensive line may be one of the bigger offensive lines we've seen this year, except for maybe Hillsboro. Um, so we got to worry about us and play up to our standard and have some energy and excitement that I think we may have been lacking, especially on the offensive side of the ball at Wilson Central last Friday night. I was going to ask you about that because it did seem different, and it seemed different even from a crowd perspective. Uh, granted, we were across the field. The Wilson Central crowd was never really into the game to begin with, but neither was really the Gallatin side. It was kind of, uh, I don't want to say dead, but certainly dull uh, atmospheres that I've seen in some time for a high school football game on both sides. Yeah, I mean, um, our kids get spoiled playing at our field at the Wave Yard, and it's a really special, exciting place. And some of the other local schools that we play have a great environment, and that that night just uh, didn't seem like being at home, I guess, so to say. Uh, the, the one road game we had, Mount Juliet, was a great atmosphere. So, um, yeah, I think our kids feed off that stuff a little bit, but ultimately we've got to worry about us and play up to our standard. Yeah, the most exciting thing that happened from our standpoint was the gentleman two rows in front of us out the press box window that didn't like listening to us call the game. I don't told us to Told us to close the window and sh shut up or close the window. Oh, and Of course, it was like 105 degrees in that press box. There was no air in our, in our section, so that wasn't an option that we were going to, to look at. But uh, – uh, other than that, yeah, it was an interesting night. Zach, anything for Coach Watson? Yeah, you know, uh, looking at how the season's going to play out, obviously with what we talked about earlier with Glencliff and, and uh, you know, and, and kind of for Gallatin, the fortunate side of things, how the season's gone. I mean, it seems like everything, whether it's been the end games or really just how the season goes, you have TSU where you do have a game that was supposed to be a neutral site game but ends up coming back to Calvin Short Field. So, yeah. I mean, talk about that, just how the season's gone so far that, you know, I, a bit of luck, right, that you just have chance of those things happening that benefit Gallatin. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I'd rather play that Glencliff game if we could. I mean, um, it's an unfortunate situation for those kids, and you, right. you hurt for those kids because, they. I mean, it ain't like they just showed up last week and they started working for this season. They've been working all summer wanting to play, and you hate that situation. And mm -hmm. I tell our guys all the time, you don't realize how lucky you are to play at Gallatin. But uh, you ask any coach that ever makes a good run or has a good season, there's there's some breaks and bounces that have to go your way. And, um, yeah, we were fortunate to have the Hillsborough game at home, and it was luck, and uh, our kids took advantage of it and had a great home atmosphere. But, yeah, hopefully uh, bounces keep going our way. I mean, I don't have more <laughs> else to say than that. Yeah. Well, I mean, because even in games against, like, Mount Juliet on the road, that wasn't luck. You hold Mount Juliet to zero points. Right. That's not necessarily luck. It's, it's a good defense that does that. We were talking about that earlier way Absolutely. before yeah. the show. But, yeah, that's pretty much all. That was the only thing I really wanted to talk about. But I, I think if – and we've I've reached out to Coach at Glencliff. If, if anything we can do to make sure that game happens and when their season is over and those kids have endured all that, we want to reward them in some type of way. I don't know if we're going to do some type of team meal for them or something, provide those just to commemorate those kids to sticking through a tough year and sticking with it when – so many people today want to fold up shop, and a lot of their teammates obviously have. So we want to reward those kids that stick with it. Two things before I let you go. One uh, tweet here that I've got pulled up on my phone. You saw it. Uh, Morgan Smith, one of your starters, offensive guard and linebacker, tweeting out uh, how his thoughts to the Glencliff players over this situation and kind of what was going on with these kids. I thought that was a class move. Yeah, Morgan's a kid that really hadn't ever played a whole lot leading up to this year, but one of our leaders, um, vocal leaders. But, yeah, I mean – it kind of goes back to what I just said. Like we talked to our kids about how fortunate they are to be where they are, and I think our kids are really starting to realize that. And I'm not, when I first got here, I don't know that they fully did. Um, but yeah, I mean that's always good. We, we want to win football games, but we want to help instill character and the way we go about our business and stuff. And that was a class act by Morgan to put that out. I think big game, Hillsboro Beach Friday night. A lot of implications, obviously. Uh, the difference between potentially Gallatin and Beach settling it on the field in week nine or potentially it coming down to a possibility of a three-way tie that throws it into the tiebreakers. So huge game there. Got to be pulling for the Buccaneers to win that one from a Gallatin standpoint to, right. to assure that then it becomes that Gallatin-Beach battle for the region championship in week nine. Yeah, that'll be a good football football game. That's two really good football teams that are well coached and do all the little things right. And um, Yeah, I mean – you can't compare scores with anything. High school football is all about matchups, so you never know on any given Friday night who's going to come out on top. 
Coach, thanks for being with us. Take care of that foot. We'll see you Friday night. Let's get Brian Sneed, defensive coordinator from Pope John, in here. He and Coach Geisinger are here. Want to get those guys in and kind of split them up. Coach Geis, you're going to be at the tail end of things tonight. Is that okay? Run an anchor. Run an anchor. Hey, the anchor man. And, hey, he would be a good anchor man, too. Yeah, there you go. Anchor down, right? Coach Sneed, thanks for taking time to be with us here tonight. First time, obviously, being with us, uh, and we appreciate it, and we'll let you get some food here in just a few minutes. But kind of take us through defensively Pope John's season to this point and what you think about your defenders, if you will. Sure. So, um, you know, what we're trying to do defensively is, um, you know, we're trying to get guys around the line of scrimmage, stop the run. Our region's uh, always been run heavy, and uh, we're typically undersized up front. So we're trying to, to move our, move our D-line, you know, every, every snap, Make it make it tough on the offensive linemen to uh, to uh, stop the movement, um, get numbers around the ball. That's the two things we tell our defense. We want to stop the run with numbers and movement. And uh, we got guys that are that are playing hard, playing tough. Um, like I said, typically a little bit undersized for for our region matchups, um, and they're doing a good job um, of hanging in there and, and and battling every every snap. So, t- how long have you been with the program as a whole? You know, and also how long you've been in your current position? Sure. So. Um, I graduated from from JB two. I was actually oh. there when the school first opened up as a freshman. Believe it or not, that's um, not been that long ago. That's no, not a thirty year school. No, we're talking. Um, I graduated in 06. Was was 06. Um, okay. School opened up in, in two thousand two. Hmm. Um, so I played uh, college ball at a small school in Kentucky Center College. Um, right out of school, I came back to JB two and and taught math and coached football for three years. Um, went back up to Center College and coached the DBs up there for three years, and then and then uh, Coach Guys hired me back as a defensive coordinator. Um, Four years ago now, so this is my fourth year um, as a defensive coordinator. So seeing some of the talent that you've already had come through and then obviously this season, I mean, what have you seen that's been consistently under, well, head coach, Coach Geis, but also, uh, you know, just while you've been a defensive coordinator? Um, yeah, so, um, you know, we've, we've gotten guys that are in that are um, that are doing a good job of understanding what we're trying to do defensively as far as effort first. We have we, what we say is talk effort ball. We got to talk every snap, make sure we're all on the same page, communicate. Um, we got to give great effort during the snap, and then eventually we want to take away the football. Right. And whether that's scoring um, on a, defensively or just getting it back for our offense to score. And, uh, you know, our, our linebackers, Jay Wright's been um, a force for us for the past three years now. He's done a great job. You got Still Brooks Haggerty. Jay Wright still – I think I said this once maybe already, but Jay Wright still has the uh, the, the best interception return I've ever seen. Uh, it was last season against uh, maybe White's Creek. I can't remember who it was last season, but it was at home. Mm-hmm. And uh, he bobbled it for about 30 yards going yeah. down the field. Yeah. Why? I mean, nobody was near him. And yeah. then about, about the 50-yard line, he got it in his hands and took off. And it never I've never seen a kid as happy once he – I saw his face <laughs> from the booth when he finally l- latched on. Oh, it was the best! It was the best yeah, best call I ever felt I ever had, and I'll ever will. <laughs> yeah, he he likes to he likes to brag about his hands a little bit. So we we always give him a hard time when he when he does drop one, which is very rare. And he's put on a little bit of of of, of good muscle, so he's looking a little thicker. So we always joke with him. We're going to move him down to D line, and he likes to tell us, "No, I'm a I'm a skill guy. You know that." <laughs> um, but he does a, he does a great job. He leads the team and and defense well and. Um, he's just a great energy to have around all the time. Now, you mentioned coaching at Center College. Mm-hmm. What's the difference for you anyway? Obviously, everybody's different. But between coaching at the college level as a young coach and now coaching back at the high school level as a coordinator. So there's there's two main differences that I um, I tell people. is The first one is you, you can do more schematically. I think at the collegiate level, especially when you have one one-way players, which most all of our guys are two-way players here at JP2. Um, but the the thing about the high school is you can get more into the character building, more into the um, make sure they're playing for the right reasons and and becoming um, quality young men, which is what we're trying to do first. Um, so I really enjoy that part of it and how much more we can do um, with the guys in high school. And they'll help. They're a little more impressionable than, than the college kids. Their college guys are more kind of figuring themselves out in a different way. And um, But so so the differences are you're, you can be more football heavy on one end um, and a little, little less uh, on the other side of it. And then in high school, you can, you can get these guys to understand there is more to it than just football. Eventually, you're going to stop playing, and there's a life after that. So, Well, let's look at next week, or well, this week, that is, uh, mm-hmm. NBA coming into JP2, correct? Uh, yeah. They're yep. at the Shining right. City. Uh, so, what, you know, what are you expecting from NBA? and what? Because last year, if I remember right, it ended up pl- being a close ball game at NBA. 
Uh, and now, of course, both of you are now in the West. What do you expect them this year? Yeah, they're going to be the same old NBA. I mean, I, w I went back two, three years um, to watch some film just to see if they've done anything different, and it's really not. They, they know what they do. They have their identity that's been uh, there for however long the school's been open, and they're going to get in two tight ends. They're going to run the ball. They're going to run it again, and then they're going to boot and play action off of it. Um, so we got to make sure our guys are, are downhill, um, that they're playing – their assignments first. I think that's what we struggled with um, later in the game against Christian Brothers. Um, we were doing a good job of, of stopping that run, and then some adversity hit, and we tried to do a little more than, than what our jobs were. So if we just stay focused on um, our jobs defensively, uh, I think we can we can slow down the offense a little bit. Um, but they're going to keep coming after you, and that's every team in the region. They're, they're not going to get frustrated with a bad series here or there. They're going to stay true to what they do, and that's going to be – Double tights, run the ball, play action off of it. So, Yeah, not much has changed with NBA in no. all of the years. Uh, Gallatin played them several years ago back. Well, as a matter of fact, when Tommy Owens was still the coach uh, at NBA, and that's what they did then, and that's what they do now. Yeah. And uh, there's not a lot of mystery to it, is there? No, it's there's just, not. A, you got to line up and stop but it. But they're, they're good at it. Right. They're really good at it. And uh, you can tell they take a lot of pride in, in how they run that offense. Um, their offensive line is always um, unbelievable. Um, you know, they got some big guys up there. Their tight ends are always great blockers and, and great pass catchers. Um, so you just have – there's a lot to defend. They, you know, they, they want you to bring in nine in the box, and then they want to throw it over top of you. And then when you back up and, and play a little bit softer on the run, they want to just keep running it down your throat. So um, you got to kind of pick your poison. you gotta, you got to figure out um, – try to stay a step ahead of them. Now, I know it's early in the season, and this may be a tough question, but at least stylistically to this point from the teams you faced – What's the biggest difference you've seen from the Eastern Division where you had been your first years here as the coordinator to now with the West? Is there any real difference in the way that they play from East to West? Um, I'd, I'd say the only difference is probably the formations that they get into. Um, Christian Brothers was a heavy, heavy run team. Uh, Briarcrest was a heavy run team. They just they spread you out a little more to, to do that, um, whereas teams in the East – Innsworth is a little bit different, I'm sure, this year with the new coaching change. But, um, you know, Innsworth and Brentwood Academy and NBA and, and even Ryan and those teams want to get in heavy heavy formations, tight ends, and, and just say we're better and we're going to run it. Um, where Briarcrest and Christian Brothers and MUS um, from last year when we played them, were, they're going to try to spread you out a little bit more and, and try to get their backs in space. But they're still run first. I mean, it's, it's just basic common football. We're going to run the ball to set up the pass. Coach, thanks for coming on with yeah. us. You know, enjoy uh, some food over here at Demos and Demos's. That's what. Hey, you're, that's when you're right. In, yeah. Get it straight. When you're in Demos, it's Demos's. When you're outside, it's it's the Demos. plural. Yeah, it's the plural. So you got to. Right. Yeah. So, Coach Brian, thank Absolutely. you for being with Coach. us tonight. Let's Appreciate get Coach it. James Beasley over here to talk a little commandos and let Coach Sneed go watch grab some food. Cord, yep. Coach. Watch out for the co cord. He's gonna. There you go. Get through all of this maze of right. setup we've got. We're in a new room, by the way, in case you haven't noticed the surroundings a little bit different here tonight. We just move about the restaurant yeah, here you know. every other week or so. We're no in a different can... place. So uh, Tonight in this uh, banquet room, and Coach James Beasley, thanks for being with us uh, here tonight. As always, uh, tough week last week, and as Zach talked about and mentioned tonight, uh, the – Fourth quarter, really, again, was the main issue. You're able to get out to a big lead and then can't sustain late. Right. Uh, we just – we got to finish better. That's the bottom line is the, the whole thing is we got to uh, – we got to come off – get off the bus and be ready to play from the beginning. And uh, I think we got that part taken care of right now. And <clears throat> we're executing better in a lot of ways. But we got to finish games. We got to understand that games last for four quarters and – we got to play for four quarters like we do in the beginning. Well, I want to. I want to. Obviously, the big silver lining too out of last week, uh, record setting. Isaiah Chandler, ninety-five yard touchdown. It's the longest. I believe is that the longest play or longest run um, in Commando history. It's the longest run in Commando rush from scrimmage in Commando football history. Uh, I'm not sure about play for sure, but um, it definitely is the longest run. I'm sure we've probably had a 99-yard kickoff return at some point. but uh, Probably, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, and, and then another week, too, and bounce back. Uh, Keon Stafford, uh, right after that play, hits a 60-yard uh, home run. <laughs> you know, another big play. So, you know, and it's obvious there for the commandos, the skill is there, the plays are there, the, the system is there, It's and it's coming off early, and later in the game, uh, you know, it, 
the talent, from what I see, and this is just obviously what my point is, it's that the, the talent is unbelievable. The speed is unbelievable. The athleticism is unbelievable. It, it's all clear and it's all there, uh, you know. And so it, it's and, and once again this week, and I talked about it a little bit earlier. And and I don't ever like blaming officials, but I wanted to get your thoughts on this on this the no call that was Isaiah Chandler. Uh, I believe it was a fourth and eleven. Uh, there was two defenders on him. He gets sandwiched in the end zone. It, on was, a ball. it was Ellis Ellis. Oh, was it Ellis Ellis? Okay, yes. it was Ellis Ellis. Uh, what your thoughts on that call? <laughs> oh, well, sorry, no call. <laughs> well, my. My thoughts are we had some really untimely penalties. Um, as I looked at, at the stats from the game, we had nine penalties for 95 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, and our opponent had one penalty for five yards. So it, 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 it is was what out. it is. It was, un, it, it was vastly uneven. And, and I think even at one point I, I said on air that, you know, if you're Hendersonville, if you just see a flag on the ground now, you're just automatically thinking it's you. If you're I backing mean, up. And, yeah. and, and it wasn't, it wasn't a, a case of me seeing any penalties. There was some – some one call in, in particular uh, was the offsides call, where uh, uh, or it was a, it was a false start actually on Hendersonville, but it was brought on. They were they jumped into the neutral zone, which jumped a man. Then they they call on Hendersonville. I guess they just didn't see it. And then later, and they had the ball, and they the exact uh, we did flip. the same thing, and we got called for the penalty on both of them. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's that, so, that's one of those that's tough to uh, swallow yeah. when when it seems like it's not going both ways when that, when that happens, you're. You move offensively, they call it on you. You move defensively, they jump. Same situation, different side, and, and it doesn't go your way. Right. And there was another, you know, and once again, I don't want to harp too long on the officials. but Because uh, he's been doing it most of yeah, the time. It, it, well, you know, and I did, I did it on Friday night too. Well, it becomes it, frustrating sometimes it, when it's inconsistent calling. But, you know, we got to get over that. we got to get past that and plays like that happen. You know, mm-hmm. I make a lot of uh, poor decisions on Friday nights. I mess up a lot. Our players mess up. The officials are going to mess up. You know, you got to move forward from those things. So we don't not blaming them by any means. But when you look at the stats, you know, nine for ninety-five and one for five just doesn't add up uh, in a lot of ways. You don't see that very often in in any games. Um, right. And the ones that we had, I think both both of their touchdowns in the second half were drives that we had stopped mm-hmm. on fourth down, and they continued with a fourth down penalty that was called on us. Yep. Kept the drive going. I, and a matter of fact, I think both their touchdowns and their field goal drive all had penalties involved in it. They gave them first downs on play on on situations where we had them stopped, where they were going to be forced into a kicking situation. And so, those are back breaking plays too. Right now, let me let me tell you this, or not tell you, but ask you: What have you seen from the players? Because I imagine a J.D. Jordan, uh, even Holmbrink, who have you seen kind of step up in these moments for the players? Because coaches, as it is, they you know. Yes, they lead the team, but players have to find a player to kind of surround themselves in these tight ball games that we've seen and those clutch situations or, you know, just these situations that happen. Have you seen a certain player that has kind of stepped up into a leadership role that maybe hadn't been or kind of is continuing the leadership role that you've already yeah, seen? Yeah, I mean, I think J.D. on defense and Drew on offense, I think you got it right there. Yeah. It doesn't matter what level you're playing at or who it is on offense, your quarterback's got to kind of take control and your team's going to reflect on on his play, you know, when you play good, he gets a lot of credit, right? Right. When you're not getting it done, then he takes a lot of the blame. He yep. probably gets too much credit and too much blame in those situations. That's just the way it is. And J.D., uh, he's just a really football-smart kid that, that knows everything that we do and the way we want to do it. And the other one is Logan uh, Spurrier <clears throat> in the defensive backfield kind of takes that role along with Isaiah Chandler is kind of in there as well on both sides of the ball. But, you know, they – our, our players understand how we play. They understand how we haven't finished games the way we need to. And, and they have uh, kind of taken a little bit of that into practice this week and, and been a little bit crisper and more focused uh, the past two days. So, you know, like in life, you know, we, bad things happen or things that we are out of our control happen to us and some advet- adversary, adversary gets to us and, and we got to respond to it the right mm-hmm. way. So that's what – we're kind of focusing on right now is is learning something from yeah. from this and you know hopefully getting the ball to bounce our way down the stretch you know yeah. hopefully hopefully this we're all week, waiting for it <laughs> hopefully this week and we come back we'll have three games after fall break and we'll see if we can you know be fortunate enough to to get an eleventh game after that but our backs are against the wall and we got to come out and we got to play and we got to play the whole game. You mentioned this week, Wilson Central region contest. You've had an opportunity to look at the film. I saw these guys 
up close last week. Your thoughts on what you've seen offensively and defensively from Wilson Central? And I what tell you, you what, expect. they're good defensively, aren't they? They are. <laughs> they, they can flat out I play. Mean, uh, yeah. They, yeah. They got a they got a defensive front that is for real. Yeah. Um, everybody up there seems like they they really good players and they really made it difficult for Gallatin to be able to move the ball. And we and know how good the, Gallatin yeah, well, is, Well, they're right? not the biggest right. front either. It's not a bunch of 300-pounders that you can't move. These are smaller, quick guys that are, are beating blockers. That's how, that's how they that's win right. defensively. So, you know, they've talked about this. Our schedule does not give us any gimme wins. This is our homecoming game. Yeah. And this is, uh, you know, this is a tough opponent. So, hopefully, our schedule has kind of prepared us for these situations come down – the stretch of the season where we're playing teams like Independence and Wilson Central back-to-back that are both really good football teams. And, you know, they kind of play defense similar in a lot of ways. Um, uh, They're both really good. And I was just really impressed with Wilson Central's defensive front. Offensively, you know, of course, it's hard to tell in the Gallatin tape because Gallatin is so good on defense that they don't really let anybody do a lot, it doesn't seem like. but, it, you know, so Wilson Central looked uh, a little bit inconsistent offensively, but they did move the ball, you know, especially early in the game. They had the ball down there in, in close to field goal range a couple times and uh, wasn't able to, to get anything out of it. They threw an interception, I think, uh, early in the game. And uh, so, I, 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 you know, offensively, I think they're good. They scored 17 on Mount Juliet mm-hmm. two weeks ago uh, prior to playing Gallatin, and, uh, and they've been able to move the ball. And they got, a, they got uh, you know, a kick returner that – Seems like he's got a chance to take it all the way back. Yeah, he's scary. Every time he touches the ball. So, uh, you know, it's just – it's a region game for us. It's really good, really good team. You know, we got the distraction of, of homecoming this well, week. Well, that was my next question of how that's been going so far, you know, homecoming-wise. Has that – is that a distraction so much, or is that is that something maybe the kids have been kind of reacting to is, okay, now three, three straight losses, close games, combined point total of ten points in three losses, which right there shows you how close the games were. Are they using this now as momentum? It's like, we're not losing homecoming. That's just as it is. Well, I hope so. You know, like I said, in practice, they, they've kind of taken the, the ownership role of practice and how the tempo of practice is going to go, which is, you know, great because it, prior to this, the coaches were kind of having to lead that. And until you get leadership out there with the players, the coaches can only get you so excited for so long. So they've done a good job uh, of, of motivating themselves and holding each other accountable this week. And uh, it's it's been a good good two days of practice. We just hope that it continues right. tomorrow, and then and then we show up and we're able to play for four quarters on Friday. Health wise, pretty good shape. Obviously, I know the the usual bumps, bruises, things that go with, but anything of significance that might keep someone out of the contest Friday. Well, I night. think we're a little bit more banged up than usual, um, but we have been from the beginning of the season, mm. uh, and part of that is that, you know our schedule. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you look you look through the games we played and. When you start out you with know, Oakland, that that can do it to you. Hunters Lane and yeah. Glencliff and some of these other schools ain't on there nowhere. Yeah, you don't ever get that game. Well, where I think you y'all like, started uh, the season. Your your strength strength of schedule was second in the state. Yeah, yeah. With I mean, you were playing all number ones. We're gonna and, have to find somebody new to schedule games. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> who's in charge of that? Huh. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta find them though. Uh, but yeah, you know, and, and I, I say this, I say this honestly, meaning it. You're ten, Henderson, and I'm not. I'm really trying to remove myself as the play-by-play uh, guy for this. I really believe Henderson was the best two and fourteen that's in the state of Tennessee right now. <laughs> I, I know, I know, it doesn't sound pretty, but it, the the way these games are being played out. Hendersonville is in control if you're putting it on a percentage basis, 85 to 95 percent of the time, uh, and there's just that that five percent, that yeah, ten or five percent has has made that much of a difference. And like I said, ten point total for three games and those losses, that's the differential in points. It's it's obvious that that's the case, and and th- and that's why. And once again, I don't want to harp on officials, but they're, they're just those certain calls. Don't harp on officials. They're they're making the certain those certain calls are adjusting the games that much, and it's you know it's it's. It's been a it's I hate it. <laughs> Here, here's what I know as an outsider, having not seen Hendersonville in person this season. I'll get that opportunity here coming up in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. But it's a it's a very, very, very good football team. Throw mm-hmm. Oakland out the window, that's a different level of an animal. We know that. That's no disrespect intended to anybody anywhere. This is a very good, solid football team, great coaching staff, great kids. Mm-hmm. They're playing hard for whatever reason they've had a problem finishing off games. 
I don't think it continues forever. I think they no. figure it out. I think they figure it out this week against Wilson Central yeah. and, and get a win and bounce back and move forward from it. That's just a personal opinion, knowing the character uh, of the kids you've got, because obviously I've seen over the last couple of years, certainly your seniors, some of them played as, as juniors, some of them even played as sophomores. Uh, you've got some talent. This is not anything other than just for whatever reason they can't seem to finish the last couple of weeks in close ball games. That's That's pretty much it. I'm the most athletic on the field every time. That Hendersonville has been easily the most athletic team that they're playing, uh, whoever they've been playing, and whether it had been Beach, Lebanon, or even even I'd even go possibly they're up with Oakland athleticism wise, just how the the speed and the talent and it shows in these big plays that Hendersonville is able to do every week. Uh, I, I make a joke of it. I say who who's on the lottery ball this week that wants to hit a home run because it, and Stafford has now done it two weeks in a row. Uh, uh, Chandler's done it two weeks in a row now, uh, and you know it's just I, I, I it's all uphill I really think here for for the commandos and and good luck this week and we'll see you friday thank you i appreciate it absolutely thank you, coach, coach. Appreciate let's get coach on. justin geisinger in here swap out coaches and talk a little bit more about the knights of jp2 coming off a big win and let me look and make sure i get this right 56 to 8 last week versus christian county <laughs> uh from kentucky that came in here and they were winless coming in and you did them a favor and kept them winless when they left coach <laughs> sure no it's always good um you know for a homecoming week for the kids and uh, makes it for a fun dance for those guys on Saturday night. But, um, you know, we came in, felt like we did what we were supposed to do, and um, all three phases of the game had some success, and I think it was a good little confidence booster for us. Um, obviously, as we get back into region play against a very good NBA team this week. Well, what is that like? Oh, sorry, not to cut you off. Right. But what is, what is that like, though, going from a team, and, you know, just call a spade a spade, going from a team like Christian County, an 0-5 team coming in, and sure. then turning around and playing uh, NBA who consistently – brings up SEC talent for college. Well, I think I mean I mean if you look at it very plainly, I mean you could you could say that's hey, that's a challenge because you got, you know, you have to step up from from, you know, one team to a team that's, you know, one of the better teams in the state. Um, but for us and in, in kind of what our mission is and I talked about this each week and how we do things, we really try to harp with our kids each and every week that we should be preparing each and every game like it's the same game, whether it's a whether it's a preseason, regular season, postseason game. Um, we want them to come out to be their best and practice, you know, on the field and off the field and each and every day and everything that they do. So, um, <clears throat> you know, th that's easier said than done for sure. It's harder to, it's harder to you know, go out there and do that um, knowing you have one opponent versus the next opponent because kids are kids and they're going to read into things and look into things. But, you know, I think culturally that's something that we're really challenging our kids to do. We've been doing that the past several years and, um, you know, we accredit that to, to having more success than we've been able to do in the, few, in the, in the past. So that's been, it's been good. Coach Sneed, obviously we talked to him about NBA. They're not going to do a lot of things differently than what right. you've seen throughout the course of your time at uh, Pope John. They're just going to line up and they're going to do them really well. Sure. Yeah, Coach Uvard, um, you know, kind of like Brian said, you know, they're 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 a well-coached team. Obviously, a lot of tradition in that school, uh, a lot of tradition of winning, a lot of tradition of, of really good football. Um, and you know, they've been, you know, over the the, the ten years I've been at JP two, very consistent in what they do. Um, they're not going to give you anything. They're not going to beat themselves. Um, they like to run the football on offense, <laughs> um, you know, and like coach kind of hit on the, the, you know, the play action pass off it and they're going to do, they're going to do what they do and they're going to do it well and they're not going to beat themselves. Um, defensively, they've got a very athletic front. They move well, um, similar to kind of think to our defense that they, they like to move a lot and, um, create some confusion, get some penetration and, um, and they run to the football very well. Um, you know, all 11 guys, again, they're not going to give you anything. Um, you know, they're going to. They're going to make you every, every earn every yard you get, and um, that's just really always they've been the same way. So, I mean, they're probably the, the most consistent team in the region that, that we've played over the years, so they're very consistent in that regard. Uh, <coughs> let's go back to last week real quick, though. Sawyer Watts, uh, talk to us about that game. What was it, six touchdowns, I believe? Yeah, yeah, I think it was six touchdowns he had, and I think it was great for him. Um, you know, kind of as we talk about each week, he's a – a kid who's who's a junior for us, who was a starter for us last year, but just you know, he's still a first-year quarterback, so he still has those growing pains as he's working through. And you know, playing in this region and playing the games that we play each and every week, there's very, very little margin for error um, at that position. Um, you know, you play very good defenses with that are coached very well, and um, 
you know, having that success he had last week, you know, throwing six t- touchdown passes, and I believe he was player of the week name for a couple different publications, and yeah. you know that that it, I'm very happy for him for that, and I think, um, you know, like I said, we're hoping his best football is still ahead of him as he continues because he has a lot of talent. Where do you take, you know, what do you take away for that kid? Obviously, you know, it, who you're playing, but now going into that week against uh, NBA, mm-hmm. what do you tell him from that week that you know? The, the confidence, obviously, that comes with it and the sure. swagger just from throwing, yeah. you know, that means, and like you said, all the publications saying his name now, and, sure. and here we are talking about him, so he's made the big time. But uh, <laughs> you know, what what do you think? Uh, you know, what do you tell him going into NBA? I mean, I, you know, I don't think we give him a message any different than we give the rest of the team. Um, we, we, like I said earlier, we expect them to prepare <clears throat> this game just as we do every other game. And yeah, I mean, obviously, this is a very, very good opponent, and. Um, they understand, you know, from our other two region games this year, we cannot play two quarters or three quarters. It has to be a four-quarter game. And, you know, with our roster and where we are playing a lot of guys both ways, like Coach Sneed said, it's there's there's very little margin for error there. And, you know, we can't, against a team like NBA who platoons and has a depth, a really deep roster, and um, are able to do certain things that maybe we can't there, um, you know, <laughs> it leaves, like I said, that margin for error so small where, you know, we got to go out there and, when we're practicing and preparing for the week, um, you know that's that's where those things are made. That's where those errors are eliminated. It's they're eliminated from the Monday through the Thursdays, and you know hopefully on Friday night you mimic kind of what you've been able to do in preparation for the week. So um, so far it's been a pretty good week of practice, and you know I've been proud of the kids. It's again been 90 degree days. We're in October here, and it's, it's crazy 96 October. or whatever it was October out there. Now. So, <laughs> but they've been dealing with that adversity well, and, and and really you know pushing through that, and you know so. We're we're excited to have a good day to clean them up tomorrow, and you know a few last a few last corrections and, and get ready to go Friday night. So well, and you know go, just because Greg and I haven't been able to be at the games, see it from our point of view. Who who's a player that's kind of broke out this season that maybe you weren't expecting to see so much of, or maybe is it there's kind of you, the people that you did expect to see, like your Sawyer Watts or or your uh, 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 I'm, I'm committing forgetting your commit to uh, Air Force. Rory White. Rory White, yeah. <clears throat> Rory's been great. I mean, I don't know if it's one, two, or three guys. I think um, there's been a lot of guys that, that we needed to play well, that, that we expected to play well, that have played well. Um, I think defensively, overall, we've been playing really well this year. I think, you know, what Coach Needs doing with those guys, um, the scheme we're doing has really, has really been an improvement for us this year. It's kept us in ball games. Um, and we're going to need that to continue for sure. Um, Jay Wright, coach mentioned, I know who's all over the field, you know, our leading tackler right now. Um, you know, Brooks Haggerty's a guy, he's a Richmond commit, and we're expecting big things of him. He's a big body. And, you know, Sawyer Watts, obviously Antoine Roberts that everybody knows about, um, you know, and we're going to need him to get the ground game going. And that's something that we'd like to improve on this week and get better there. And, um, so it's really it's kind of a, a plethora of guys there that 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 we expected to play well and do well. Um, you know we're young up front. We have three sophomore linemen starting. Um, so so that's you know the area of quarterback and O line we knew coming into this year that we were going to have some youth there as far as experience. Um, John Martinez though is kind of one of those anchors. He's our senior lineman there. It's been a three year starter and been been really solid for us. And he's a two way starter on both sides of the ball on the O and D front. So. Um, those will be some names, but like I said, there's there's plenty more. But um, you know, we we don't we try not to 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 be that be that team that's just gonna hey we're not gonna highlight one or two guys. We, we know right. it's it's a, it, you know in this team league sport. in this league you need a collective effort, eleven guys. You know, because if ten guys are doing their job and one guy's not, you know, you're gonna have some issues. So um, you know, and I think our guys are buying into that. So. I posed this question to Coach Beasley a moment ago. I'll ask you, obviously, the bumps and bruises. We know what goes along with playing this sport at any level, high school included. Where are you guys health-wise outside of those things that are typical for everybody at this time of the season? Yeah, I mean, fortunately, outside of, you know, we've got guys nicked and banged up that are playing through some things, but, you know, we've got we've got most guys available to us. So, you know, we, we weren't always this way at this point in the season. So, knock on wood, I don't know if we're wood under here or not, but, hey. Probably some kind of formica. There yeah. you go. <laughs> um, you know, hopefully we're going to, you know, we're going to stay that way because, you know, like I said, we're a team, you know, just based on our enrollment and our roster size where we, we got to count on guys to play both sides of the ball. And, um you know, that's that's tough to do, but that's something, you know, a team like us with a roster like us has to have some guys that do that and take pride in doing that. And, that you know, that's what we'll continue to do as we push towards the, the back half of the season here. Coach Justin Geisinger, 
Thanks yeah. for being with Appreciate us as always. Absolutely. Thanks for bringing guys. Coach Sneed with you. By the way, Larry said to tell you hi. All right. Well, I appreciate it. He's Larry, a good one. Larry, good Leathers. One. Larry Leathers. Larry Leathers. Yes, down yes, at Vanderbilt, who Coach Guy Singer, of course, played football at Vanderbilt uh, before his time in the NFL. And uh, Larry and I had a conversation today, and uh, I'll probably see him again tomorrow. But uh, anyway, I wanted to pass that message along because he had told me to, Coach Guy Singer, that is, to say hi to Larry for him. So now that's all done. <laughs> there you Zach, go. Let's go through quickly. Uh, I won't pick the first one. It's pretty simple, I think. E- either way, Gallatin Hunters Lane. Yeah, you know it's. It, it, and this is what I. That's what I mentioned with Coach, Coach uh, uh, Watson, is that you know Gallatin they they've had kind of a good situation here in the latter part of their season. Uh, unfortunately, to Glencliff, how it's going. But once again, Hunters Lane's not far off that trail right. of Glencliff. A little bit better. They're going. Yeah. They're going to make the playoffs. By the way, okay. Uh, they've they've defeated Hillwood. They've defeated Glencliff. So regardless of what happens with Gallatin, they're in the playoffs as the number four seed simply because of the numbers of this thing. So it's a playoff squad. But uh, I think, obviously, everybody kind of knows where that's going. I'll take Hendersonville over Wilson Central, having seen Wilson Central last week. I think this is uh, the bounce-back, get-well, if you will, game for Hendersonville that they're able to close out. Wilson Central certainly has a defense capable of keeping them in this ball game. I'm just not sold on their offense being enough to keep up with Hendersonville in this one. I like I said earlier with Coach James Beasley, I, I don't I don't see any te- I haven't seen a team yet come out physically and athletically and be able to match Hendersonville. It is in and I, I, I said this I think against the loss against uh, Beach it just seemed like destiny. It just seemed like like Hendersonville was just destined to lose that game because everything was going the wrong way. The winds were blowing the wrong. I mean everything, and and I think it's kind of what it's been this past three weeks. And I do not think they fall again, uh, especially on their homecoming game. I, it's just it's it's I, this is the it's weird to say a turnaround point. At least record wise, I think this is the turnaround point. But the way the Hendersonville's playing, I don't I don't see how even like I said, best two four team easily. Hillsboro. At Shackle Island versus Beach. Got him. That's a huge game. Hillsboro's got athletes now. I can tell you from seeing them up close and personal, they are big on the front line. They've got speed. They've got athletes. Over the last two years, they've lost to Gallatin three years now, counting this year, lost to Gallatin early in the season, but figured it out as the season went along, and those athletes started to produce. They defeated Beach the last two years in the regular season. Now, last year, Beach returned the favor, beating Hillsboro in a playoff game down at Overton. So uh, I think it's a close matchup. I'm going to take Beach, though. Watching Beach, I've seen Beach play, obviously, against Hendersonville, and I've watched Hendersonville absolutely dominate Beach's front line, their run game, which they they lean on a lot with, not able to do much. Uh, And Hendersonville was just two, even one caught punt uh, away from winning that game. I I didn't like too much of what I saw from Beach. I'm not going to lie. I think I'm going to go with Hillsborough in this game. Okay. MBA at Pope John. Now, keep in mind the coaches from Pope John are here, so when you pick this one. And Geis is bigger than you and I combined. Exactly. uh, People saw him on on screen just a moment ago. He's a large gentleman. Honestly, you know, last year, JP2 playing against MBA uh, uh, kept it close the whole time, and we're leading going into halftime by a touchdown last year. Uh, And that was at MBA. That was, you know, Yes, you had your senior quarterback in Ben Nixon last year. Now Sawyer Watts stepping up in that role. But I believe, if I I could be wrong, that might have been a game where Sawyer Watts threw a touchdown uh, on one of their uh, wide receiver screen or wide receiver uh, passes. Uh, so I, I could be I could be off on that. I might be mixing my memories up. But it was a close game last year, if I remember correct. At least going into halftime. So you know, I'm going to give it over to JP2 back at home. This is a, a lot a lot of starters that have seen this team now, uh, and uh, you know NBA maybe not the same NBA that you know you've seen at least talent in the last couple of years. So. Admittedly, I don't know a lot about NBA other than the tradition. Uh, in fact, I didn't even look at their record coming into this thing. I'm going to take the upset, if you will, because I think most people around the state – Pope John wins this football game, would consider it an upset. What's even the betting line on this one? I don't know. That. I don't who's, think we have one of those. But I would say that most people, certainly in East and West Tennessee in particular, uh, that maybe don't keep up with things would consider that an upset. So I'm taking Pope right. John. Watertown, Westmoreland, 
Got to take Watertown. Sorry, Westmoreland. The Purple Tigers are really, really they good. They put a beating on White House a week ago. They've put a beating on most everybody. They defeated Trousdale County, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, earlier this season. So going Watertown. Yeah, I'll probably go Watertown too. It's just, I like Westmoreland, but we can't be too much of homers. The big one, <laughs> White House in Portland. The the grudge match. The whatever. I hope you want White to call House it. wins. Let me say that. Really? Yep. I hope White House wins. Well. I think I'm going to take Portland in this one and upset my White House friends. But uh, just looking at what they've kind of done uh, in the last couple of weeks, White House got off to a great start. But I think Portland at home would be a two-point favorite. And so I'll take Portland in this one. And, you know, whoever right. wins, wins. We'll see how it goes. Yep. So well, you know, now we you know talk about we're here at Demas. Demas is live. Right. We're, gonna, you know, we're running everything out here. But, you know, Demas is, again, has their brand-new menu out here. You had uh, a chicken salad sandwich, correct? That yes, you, again, you, that's you, two. Greg area stamp of approval on that, correct? That's Yes, that's uh, two. That's and, very good. And, obviously, like I said, a new menu, a new happy hour coming out. It's it, They have a happy hour every day, every hour that they're open now. So, uh, you know, different – different. Uh, some days it's buy two, get one. Or check, check that. Buy one, get two. Buy two, get one wouldn't be that much of a special. Uh, but, no, not uh, really. Buy one, get two. And, and they have a ton of different options here that's coming out. And once again, the biggest thing, too, they changed their, they're changing their look to represent their fresh menu. Everything's cooked to order here. So that was something that Aaliyah a few weeks ago talked to us about. Uh, and you can attest. I can attest. All of us can attest that the Absolutely. food is so great. So make sure you're coming out here to, to Demas's in Hendersonville. So we'd like to thank them being our partner on this, the Sumner County Football Coaches Show podcast. And remember, you're able to find this podcast on all the WHIN podcasts podcast network which includes uh soundcloud uh apple uh, apple podcast anything any way that you watch podcasts or listen podcasts and then obviously here on facebook live uh make sure you're following facebook live or sorry whin on facebook and all those other uh syndications to have your 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 sumner county football fix because that you know hey that's what we are Absolutely, and that will do it for us here tonight. Remind everybody, of course, great high school football action coming up on Friday night. You can hear all the Sumner County games, including White House Portland, streaming via Internet here on the WHIN radio network, whinradio.com. Pick the school Mm -hmm. that you want to listen to. Click on the Listen Live link, and you'll get that game. And if you can, go out to a game, support your local high school, support a high school, even if it's not yours. If you just want to see some good football, pick a game here locally and get out and see it Friday night. Until next week, Greg Arias, Zach Williams, have a great week. We'll see you then.